podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready? Play. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever in the world you are tuning in from, uh, whatever time it happens to be there. Will is uh, half 10 where you are, right? I am in Texas, in Fort Worth, and uh, yeah, it's morning here, 10.30 uh, a.m. Summery? Like good weather? Uh, no. So we don't get snow or ice here, really, but uh, we did the last few days, and I've actually spent the better part of the last hour watching uh, one of our neighbors try to get his truck out of the driveway, and it is covered in ice, and uh, he... Yeah, his tires are spinning and he braked and slid down the driveway. Um, it was kind of entertaining. Uh, so yeah, everything's covered in ice. I've been at home for the better part of three days without leaving the house because the roads are pretty bad here. So uh, okay. kind of wild. <laughs> in your day job, can you work from home? I do, yeah. So I, um, yeah, luckily I have my office set up here and it doesn't affect me much, but I, I like to get out and go to coffee shops to kind of see people and stay sane. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so three days in a row um, here, 24 hours a day is not super easy, but um, looking forward to the podcast. Yeah, cool. So we're here to talk about the Australian Open, some uh, a bit like those spinning wheels. There'll be one or two recurring themes uh, but let's begin with the end of a career. Uh, if you like, a certainly Grand Slam career, she will be officially bowing out uh, next month in Dubai. But but pretty much this is the lid on her career. Um, I'm talking about Mirza, of course, uh, from uh, India. He's like an Indian mm -hmm. doubles legend. Uh, of mm -hmm. course, uh, Sanya Mirza. Uh, she obviously bid a, an emotional farewell uh, her and her her partner, Rohan Bopana, got to the final in the mixed doubles. But tell us about her career, and then we'll focus a bit on the final itself. Yeah, um, she had an unbelievable career. Uh, she went on a tear. So Hanlon, who, who didn't get to join us today, um, he and I got to interview her in Canada last year. Oh, cool. Um, so we sat down with her for about... Uh, 10 or 15 minutes. And I can send you the link after for people who want to, uh, to listen. Um, but if, if they just Google like Sonia Mirza interviewed tennis tribe, you'll probably find it. But, uh, she mentioned retiring during that interview. Uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, she has, I think six grand slams. Uh, yep. she went on this tear in, I think it was around 2014, 2015 with Hingis where they won like 40 something straight matches. Um, okay. Really just an unbelievable uh, doubles player. And um, I know she does a lot of, uh, uh, she, she's kind of an icon in India. Um, when Before the interview, we were doing some research and stuff just to make sure we had everything right. And she has like almost as many Instagram and Twitter followers as Serena Williams. Yeah, she's a doubles player, so it's it's really incredible um, what she's done for the game there, and then um, in her professional career as well. When you would have met her, which would have been about August, did you say in Canada? It was, yeah. I think the plan was for her to probably bow out at the U.S. Open, but I believe an injury mm -hmm. scuppered those plans, 
And then it mm-hmm. was like, okay, let's try and do this again. And fortunately, yeah. she was able to do so in Australia. Yeah, yeah. She, so she made, uh, I think, the semifinals. She made a good run in Canada with Madison Keys, and then I believe she pulled out of uh, Cincinnati the following week and didn't play the U.S. Open either. So it yeah. seemed like maybe she tweaked something in Canada. Uh, yeah. I don't know that for sure, but that's my guess. So. She wanted to have kind of a, a final run here, and it looks like Dubai, um, the WTA 1000 event, is going to be her last tournament. Yeah, so this is her her final uh, Grand Slam, which is why obviously mm-hmm. there was a bit more emotion involved. Uh, I had a, a Twitter interaction with her father, funny enough, about mm-hmm. six months ago. That's why uh, Imran Mirza, that's why I became aware of uh, a little bit regarding the the plan and then the, the plan not working out in terms of the US Open. This was probably after the US Open, I'd, I'd guess about September, October. And at that juncture, he more or less said, now the plan will move to Australia. But at the moment, because I, I reached out to him to to maybe do a potential interview with her. And I think she was a bit injured at the time and she wanted yeah. to get things back on, on track, if you like. Sure. Yeah, so um, she, she didn't have a glor- career, really. She didn't have a glorious farewell, though, of course, because um, the doubles pairing of, of her and, as I say, with her friend uh, Rohan Bapana, they lost the mixed doubles final to mm-hmm. the Brazilians of Luisa Stefani and Rafael Matos. Tell us a bit about mm-hmm. them. Yeah, um, so I don't know a lot about Rafael uh, Matos. Um, Luisa Stefani, I've followed for a couple of years now, and she um, she's actually one of the only players on the women's tour that, that serves in volleys on a regular basis. Um, she has great hands at the net, amazing defensive skills, which I think is what kind of makes her such a good uh, mixed doubles player. Um, you know, if, if the guys are ripping forehands, um, looks like we have a comment here. Uh, yeah, if the guys are like ripping forehands or, or blasting serves at her, uh, she has the the hands and reflexes to be able to kind of defend. Um, so she's a very good, very smart doubles player. Um, Matos, I watched one of their matches, I believe, and I I think he's a lefty and, and has just your traditional like big lefty forehand, um, which it, I imagine would would set up Stefani at the net um, pretty well. Um, but to be honest, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of mixed doubles because I I was so focused on the men's and women's doubles and um, yeah, you can only watch so much. These Grand Slams, I feel just so overwhelmed. And I'll see these results where um, I'm like, oh, I missed that match. And uh, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot to take in. Let's go for a broader take then, Will. Where are we with mixed doubles? Um, do do we have solid pairings that, that that go into the tournaments as favorites? Or, or are the pairings changing all the time? Um, for the most part, they're changing a lot. I feel like, uh, one player who's had a lot of success the last few years is Desiree Kravchik. She's won four majors, I think since 2021, um, in mixed two of them were with Neil Skupski and then two with Joe Salisbury. And she seems to, um, play with one of those two partners for any given major. Um, I think she's played with Neil slightly more. Um, and they teamed up at the Australian Open and lost. I don't remember which round, but um, they didn't make it through. But uh, she's had a lot of success and has switched between two different partners. You'll see a lot of the time teams uh, team up from the same country. So you'll see um, Mirza Bopana and Matos and 
Stefani. Um, that'll happen a lot. But uh, for the most part, I, I feel like, um, yeah, the players, I, I don't think there's any science behind it. I've asked players about this and they're just like, you know, yeah, I think I'd like to play with that person. So I'll send them a text and ask if they want to play and then we'll do it, you know, because um, mixed yeah. isn't the focus for the main focus for, for really anybody, even the main uh, primary doubles players. Okay, cool. All right, let's move on to the women's doubles because there are a couple of players right now that are making a name for themselves. I think it's <laughs> four slams in a row that they've won when fit. Uh, mm -hmm. The French Open was obviously missing from that resume because Krajcikova, I think, picked up COVID. Uh, and so she's partnered. Krajcikova, anyone familiar with the singles games will be very familiar with her, obviously, um, in terms of French Open singles winner in 2021. But it's mm -hmm. Zinniakova as well. That is, mm -hmm. it's, she's the doubles number one. So anyway, tell us a bit about their run and, and just how they're tearing it up right now. Yeah, yeah. Um... So doubles is interesting. So not everybody might know this. For all of the events, they play no ad scoring. So there's a deciding point at, at deuce mm -hmm. or 40-all. <clears throat> and then they play a 10-point tiebreaker for the third. Um, so they don't play a full third set. But the grand slams, they play ad scoring, and they play a full third out. And when you have that format, it's more likely that the better team is going to come out on top, right? So... The Czechs have not lost in that format since 2021, uh, the U.S. Open. They mm -hmm. won the Australian Open last year, dropping zero sets to the finals and won the finals in three sets. They won Wimbledon last year after, like you said, the French Open, uh, Krejcikova was, um, had COVID and they couldn't play. So they won Wimbledon last year. Uh, the whole tournament, they dropped one set to Melikar, Martinez, and Perez. Uh Last year at the U.S. Open, they dropped, I think, four sets throughout, so a little bit more rocky, but um, they win the U.S. Open. And then this year, they drop a set in their opening round and then roll through the field. Um, most of the sets were 6-0, 6-3, 6-2. really just didn't have any issues with anyone. I think the finals outside of their first match was the tightest, and that was a 4-3 and three win over uh, Aoyama and Shibahara. So... Right now, in a full best of three format, um, there's really nobody challenging them. Um, they are they're better than everyone right now. Are you someone who enjoys this when we see this, um, you know, dominance? If you like, are you someone that can sit yeah. back and admire it and go, "Wow, this is this is great," or are you someone that would rather, you know, things were spread out a little bit, a bit more competition, etc.? Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. I, I think it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, I, I really enjoy, I mean, I love the strategy side of doubles. So I've studied this team more than uh, any other team on the men's or women's tour um, the past couple of years. So I have a very good understanding of what they, where they serve and what formations they use and all this stuff. And I, I just, I like to nerd out on uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, and like I said, since the other tournaments have the the no ad, the ten point tiebreaker, they can't totally dominate those as well as much. So you do get a little more balance in those. Um, we saw uh, the team I mentioned, Melikar Martinez and Perez, beat them at Cincinnati last year. Um, they've dropped a, a few other matches, kind of here and there, in that other um, no ad format. Uh, so I, I think it's. 
you know, good for the game. I mean, a lot of people were talking about it after the Australian Open, whereas if there were, was more parity, people probably wouldn't talk about doubles as much. So mm. um, overall, I, I, I like it. I enjoy watching it. Tell us a bit about um, about Sanya Kova and her game and what makes her, um, Sanya Kova, what makes her so mm -hmm. good at this. I mean, I know, we all know Kolechikova, of course, to be honest, I think Kolechikova is number three in the doubles rankings right now. So, it's, and mm -hmm. she's just dropped down one spot. Um, so, obviously, they're yeah. very much a, a dominant pairing. But tell us a bit more about Siniakova. And what's amazing, if you if you zoom out there and scroll out, look at uh, scroll down a bit, look at tournaments played. They play less tournaments than anyone, and they're still one and three. So yeah. twelve, ten, yeah. Yeah, and then exactly. most of these doubles players are probably going to be in the 20s once you get down to there. In um, fact, the next one down would be Kristina Mladenovic at 15, at 12. So everybody else yeah. had played four, five, six more tournaments than, than them. At, at least, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so uh, Siniakova is, she's ranked number one in doubles uh, from... In my opinion, she is the number one doubles player in the world. Last year, she won, I think, six titles with four different partners. So in, in some of the other tournaments, she doesn't play with Krichikova uh, okay. for whatever reason. Um, so she, what makes her so good? She um, is the best net player in the women's game right now. Um, her instincts are, are unbelievable. The way she can read the point see if you're on offense or defense and, and react accordingly. Um, and then Krichikova sets her up from the baseline so well. Um, she's so solid with her ground stroke. She's able to go cross court or down the line off of both sides. Um, so their best formation is with Krichikova rallying from the deuce court at the baseline and then Siniakova in the ad court. She has her forehand volley in the middle um, and it just applies so much pressure to that other team. Uh, her from the baseline, Siniakova is still a, a very good singles player. She's top, I think, 60 ish in the world in singles. Um, mm -hmm. So she's still very good from the baseline. Uh, when she is back in the ad court, she has as good a backhand as anyone. I mean, she can hit her backhand with, with Coco Golf even um, when they get into that kind of cross court ad uh, rally. So, um, yeah, she does a good job of hiding her forehand, which is her weakness. Um, so any of those middle balls, she'll just let Krachikova take it with uh, her backhand and then she'll rush the net. Um, yeah, and they they like to play on their terms, get into the positions that they like and say, you know, try to beat us. And and so far, nobody can. There was a funny moment in the speeches afterwards. So they, they beat the Japanese pairing of Ayama and Shibahara. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, mm -hmm. There was a funny moment in the speeches afterwards. So there was a kind of a, from Krajcikova, a sorry, not sorry moment for, for winning the match. It wasn't those exact words, but it was very similar. Uh, but it yeah. was funny and it was taken uh, in good spirits. Um, it was a bit of a breakthrough for the Japanese pairing, right? A little bit. Um, yeah. Side note, Krajcikova is is hilarious. Like she is, if you ever get a chance to to chat with her or listen to her on an interview, um, Hanlon and I sat down with her at the WTA finals last year. Oh, um, right. we, we talked with both of them and they're, they're so fun and lighthearted and um, they were like making jokes. They're, they're really, a, um, yeah, they, they have great personalities. Uh, for Aoyama Shibahara, so they, 
uh, kind of a break breakthrough. It was their first uh, Grand Slam final. They made the semis of the Australian Open in uh, 2021, uh, and at the WTA finals two years ago in 2021. Um, so, so really, not even two years ago, like a year and a half ago, they were the two seeds. Um, so they were the second best doubles team that year. They made the semis and I think lost to Shea and Mertens, uh, I believe. But um, they were a really good team that year in 2021. So it wasn't when you saw them in the draw at the 10 seed, it wasn't totally shocking to say they could make the finals. Um, that, that was a very reasonable thing. Uh, but this was their first Grand Slam uh, final. Okay. Any final thoughts on the the women's doubles before we move over to the men? Um, not really. I mean, I mean, it's just it's kind of more of the same with the Czechs dominating, and then and then a lot of parity. Otherwise, um, we saw golf and Pagula team back up, which I hope they yeah. continue to do throughout the year because that is great for doubles, which um, I love to see. How did uh, they get on? Uh, they made the semis and lost to Aoyama and Shibahara. Um, yeah. So they did. They did well. Um, I think they really wanted to to try to win the thing. Um, they looked pretty disappointed uh, mm-hmm. when they did lose that semifinal match. Um, but I do hope they keep playing together because it is good for the sport. People, a lot of fans loved going to watch them play doubles last year. Um, so it's, it's really good for that side of the sport. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, no big surprises. Uh, I, I was surprised actually to see. <laughs> Mertens and Kudermatova split up um, after winning the WTA finals last year. What happened there? Uh, I don't know why they split up. We we chatted with them in the um, press conference, and it seemed like they were going to team back up again. Uh, so I, I don't know why um, why they did split up, but they actually happened to play each other in the first round of the Australian Open in the doubles draw. And uh, Mertens teamed up with Storm Hunter, formerly Sanders, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Kudermatova played with um, Sam Sonova, I believe. Uh, and, There's and no Mert- bad blood, or is there? are we wondering if there might I be don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, I'm not going to speculate. I, I have no idea. Um, I did hear, I did hear, I didn't watch the end of that match because the third set was like five love or something, and I, I flipped over to something else, and mm-hmm. I did hear the handshake was kind of short. Okay. So whatever you want to make of that. <laughs> That's the next question. If, if we're not sure, we sort of focus on the handshake and then, yeah. and then we leave it at that. Okay, listen, yeah. Will, let's move on to the men's doubles because we once again have the Australian Open men's title uh, in the hands of some Australians. Uh, last yeah. year, of course, we remember the runs of uh, Kokinakis and Kyrgios. By the way, did Kokinakis yeah. play doubles this year? Um, I don't Men's think he did. No, I, I don't he think and Curious, so. he and Curious were signed up, but Curious um, pulled out the singles with an injury, so that was kind of yeah. They backed out, and then the draw kind of um, a few spots in the draw kind of opened up, and they had to flip some things around. And I, I don't think he picked a new partner. So Jason Kubler and Rinki Hijikata, one or two of us, mm-hmm. uh, we've all you know been familiar with Kubler for a little while now, but uh, Hijikata, of course. Remember him playing Nadal at the at the U.S. Open last year in the first round, and I think he might have played City Pass in the singles at this year's uh, Aussie Open as well. So he's sort of on the radar now. He is twenty one, which in tennis terms means he may well have been around a couple of years. But they were wild cards, 
and they mm-hmm. won the final in straight sets. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us about their run. So I, I tweeted, um, I think it was after the third round, because uh, okay, I, I saw them making a run, these Aussie wild cards, and I saw um, in, let's, let me pull up the draw here, second round. No, this must have been after the second round. So another pair of Aussie wild cards, uh, Bolt and Seville beat Mekdich and Pavic in the second round in straight sets. And I was like, I was looking at this and, and Hichikata Kubler beat Glasspool and Heliovara. And that was two of my semifinal picks in the second round, losing to Aussie wild cards. Mm-hmm. And I remember Curious Kokonakis win last year. They actually played another unseated Aussie team in the finals. I think it was Ebden and Purcell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who ended up having a great year anyways, but they won Wimbledon. Uh, and then in 2020, I think uh, Purcell teamed up with somebody else and made the finals. Um, and it was another Aussie wildcard team. So the Aussie fans seem to have this effect on men's doubles. And I don't know, I, I was kind of wrapping my brain around it because it, you know, the curious Kokonakis thing, like at the beginning of the tournament last year, you could have said, I could see them making a run, right? It's curious. He's so talented. He's so good at singles. Kokonakis is a really good singles player with a lot of talent as well. But Hijikata Kubler, like you look at the draw and you're like, no, 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 not them. <laughs> they <laughs> they go through and win the thing. And the matches I watched, the thing that just separated them from their opponents was just their energy. Um which is a thing I don't like to talk about a lot because I can't measure it. And I love mm-hmm. analytics and like mm-hmm. to be able to, to, you know, be very confident in what I'm saying. But um, energy is, is a big thing in doubles. It's very important. And to be able to feed off the crowd and maintain that energy and focus and really from one point to the next act like this is the biggest point of the match, um, that matters to not have that lapse in focus and to be able to sustain that for a long time. And I think the Aussie crowd helps these Aussie non-seeded or wildcard teams do that. Um, they just get a little momentum and they start the Aussie chance. And um, they were doing chest bumps with each yeah. other, like between sets and um, just ripping return winners. And yeah, the amount of energy and, and focus they had was really unbelievable. Um, so you know, that's not um, my typical analytical answer, but I, I think it applies here. Um, so I, I think that's what I made of uh, of them making this run. What I tend to notice is, um, uh, it, it, is it how difficult, okay, it's a question rather than a, than a notice. How difficult is it to say, make a run in the singles and the doubles at the same time? Uh, what kind of recent history do we have of somebody? I mean, I remember Sviontek, being in the final of both French Open singles and doubles, um, yeah. What mm-hmm. what kind of history do we have on that at the moment? Because these guys obviously are going out in the early rounds in the singles and then able to channel all that energy. Last year as well, Kyrgios and Kokinakis, I remember uh, going out fairly early, and I think um, Kyrgios was second round, Kokinakis was first. Does mm-hmm. that help? Does that hinder? How does that play out? I think it's player specific. Um, it's more difficult on the men's side because you're playing best of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can see, you know, golf and Pagula make the semis of the doubles and, you know, the quarters of the singles, and it's not really an issue. 
Um, Krejcikova won the 2021 French Open uh, in singles and doubles. So she won both titles. Uh, so it, on the women's side, it's a little easier just because you're not playing best of five. Uh, the um, But yeah, like I said, I think it's player specific. Um, Kyrgios has said in the past, I like playing doubles because I don't like practicing and I'd rather play doubles. <laughs> um, so I think it, yeah, it just depends on the player. Um, a lot of players are better off like a hundred percent focusing on singles and some players might like to get that kind of break and get their mind off of the singles draw and the singles match and just have fun on the doubles court. Um, so I think it really depends. Final thing is a more of a, a generic thing that I saw is that Wimbledon is now dropping the five set format for men's doubles. Am I right on that? I did hear that. I haven't looked into it, but yeah, I heard that as well. I think it was via Mark Petchy on Twitter, or, or bit maybe somebody more well known for his singles prowess, but also um, as a commentator these days, a British guy. But yeah, I mean, is that something you would favor anyway? Um, I'm kind of torn on it. I, I did really enjoy watching the best of five, uh, especially at last year's Wimbledon. There was a lot of two set comebacks. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember specifically, but there was a few, I think one match with Mekdic and Pavic where they were down two sets to none and came back. Um, I'd have to look at the draw, but I enjoyed that. But if it will get some more singles players playing and then get more eyeballs on doubles, um, I'm a fan. Because for me, um, selfishly, I guess the thing I care about most is making doubles more popular. I want it to be more popular. And if it's going to help that, then I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, the men. So I'm pretty sure that it is, it is the case. I found a couple of sources at least. Um, mm -hmm. So it is going to change to the best of three to bring it in line with the other slams, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other slams uh, are best of three still. So there's a statement as well from the AELTC, um, the Lawn Tennis Championship, something or another. Uh, this uh, change was recently approved by the main board members uh, of the committee. The decision was made following a wide-ranging consultation, and the change brings Wimbledon into line with the other Grand Slams, uh, as I just said. Um, this update will provide the referee's office with greater certainty when scheduling matches during the event, and we hope... It will encourage even more players to enter Wimbledon doubles as a result. Uh, but Nick Kyrgios criticised, oh, so he criticised the format last year, uh, calling it the stupidest thing ever. Uh, so that's him <laughs> criticising the five setter. So, so maybe okay. we'll see him in singles action this year. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. The, on, the only, um, I guess the the only thing that this, you know, there there is a good argument to keep it at best of five because if. Uh, a lot of some of the lower ranked doubles players may not get in because you can get in on your singles ranking. So if I'm like, you know, 50 something in the world and doubles and this singles player decides to play because it's now best of three, I might be sitting out of, of Wimbledon. Um, so that that's the argument there. Uh, but right now, like I said, my priority is making doubles more popular. So <laughs> I'm all for it. Definitely, yeah. Will uh, brings us to a, an end for this show. Hopefully, we'll be doing more of these throughout the year, particularly after the the slams. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and now we have a TikTok account. Uh, we're oh, releasing. 
Yeah, we're releasing uh, double strategy videos, um, video clips of the podcast and things like that um, on a daily basis for the next month to, to see how that goes. Um, so yeah, we're on all the social media. Uh, you can go to thetennistribe.com and find the podcast. Um, I just released a new ebook that's available for purchase. Um, if you're into double strategy and play doubles and want to learn more about that, um, yeah, but everything is is right there. Cool. Yeah, I'm showing on the screen right now. I've also posted it in the live chat too. So make Perfect. sure you check that out. If you're watching retrospectively, that's all there for you. Uh, make sure as well you hit the like button. And if you, as I say, watching retrospectively, get in the comments below and let us know your thought on the doubles tournaments uh, down under, but uh, also perhaps the rest of the year and any other doubles related content. Uh, listen, Will, um, it's been great having you on board for this, this half an hour. As I say, hopefully we can make this a regular thing after slams Absolutely. and if doubles ends up getting in the news uh either because of a tantrum of a particular player <laughs> or a particular controversy then it would be great to have you on board again absolutely we'll definitely do it again thanks a lot john sports social podcast network